Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, brought to you by our friends at the Catholic Charities Bureau. And I, I don't think we we talk enough about the five sponsors that have kind of stepped up and, and helped us do all these episodes of Eye of the Swarm. And it's it's been a, a fun first year for us. We're not done yet, obviously, but uh, it's been a fun first year, and we wouldn't be able to do it without those people who uh, help us pay the bills around here. Our, our engineer is Elliot Sweary. He's the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I'm John Garber, and welcome to your funeral for a friend, your... Uh, Winter sports post mortem, however you want to say it. Uh, all the everything was rolling along, and it came to a screeching halt on Saturday. <laughs> oh boy, did it ever! You know, it's one of those things too. If you're seeking counseling, you can consult with John Garber, by the way, about the the conclusion of the winter season for UWS. But uh, um, yeah, everybody was playing on Saturday, and unfortunately, everybody got eliminated. They did on that day. Yes, um, as far as the winter sports go, right? Um, but uh, and not without some controversy as well. Um, but with that having been said, regardless of what happened on Saturday, you know, with three teams being knocked out, we had another team knocked out last Wednesday. Um, it was a great year for those teams. I mean, I can't say that it wasn't a successful year because I think everybody was pretty pleased overall with how the year went. I mean, it always leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you get knocked out in the playoffs. I mean, nobody ever wants to say, you know, yeah, we got knocked out in the playoffs and it was great. Nobody says that. Right. But, and we talked about it on the podcast here. Overall, there's not really much you can really complain about with the performance of the teams. I no. mean, they I think they all achieved about either where they thought they could go or slightly above where right. they thought they could go. So, um, yeah, congratulations. Unfortunately, we're losing a bunch of really good senior athletes on each of those teams, which is going to be a bummer. Uh, it's always sad to see the seniors go. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they brought some memories this year that I think uh, the Yellow Jacket community can uh, kind of – Savor for the next few years at least, right? And maybe even longer than that. So no, absolutely. And it it's uh, we've never had a winter sports season this successful. Right. And I, I want to make sure also that we're we're giving due to indoor track and field. Oh yeah. And we'll we'll touch on that a little bit as well. They're part of it. They are absolutely a part of it, and they're still competing. And they're still competing. Yep. Um, you know, there's in, individuals within those sports that are still competing. The uh, but the the four winter teams with the two hockeys and the two basketballs. We've never had a season where all four of them have been above 500. Right, yeah. And we had that this year. You know, we've all four won at least 15 games. Yep. We've never had that. Right, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. You have to term the winter season a success, even though nobody's raising a banner. Nope. Nobody's reaching the point, I think, that they wanted to get to. But I, I think there was definitely an exceeding of expectations in in some aspects of it. Yeah, and I, I kind of said this on Facebook, actually, uh, earlier in the week. You know, from my side of it, uh, being the basketball voice now for these many years, I, I feel lucky to have been able to witness this year because both men's and women's basketball teams did some things that are really special and some things I won't forget. You know, like the men's basketball team, even though they got knocked out on Wednesday, they're the first team to get eliminated from their respective conference tournament. Um, 24 straight points in the first half against Bethany Lutheran will be one that I'll keep in mind for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 points to start the second half unanswered against Minnesota Morris is also one I'll remember for a long time. Those are things that I have not seen before. So whenever you see something that is really remarkable and unique, you file it away. And it doesn't matter what year it is. Right. It doesn't matter really what the circumstances are. But beyond the fact that they you know finished third in the conference, and you know, made the playoffs for the first time in five years. It was just really nice to be able to say, "Yeah, I was there, and I was the play-by-play guy." And I don't know if I'll ever see 
a 24-point run to start a game again. See, and that was the thing, and Elliot, our, our production engineer, he can tell you that it was, it was really something. I mean, when we got to halftime of that game, he turned to me and said, or he said over the air in my ear, he said, I was laughing back in the studio listening to you broadcast this because you were amazed. It seemed like everyone was amazed. And I know you were there to watch it, John. You were not broadcasting <laughs> that weekend so because the hockey team was off. And, I mean, everybody in the gym, for me, that was incredible. I, I just – I was flabbergasted. My jaw almost dropped. I, I almost wanted to stop broadcasting and just watch it right. at a certain point just because it got, to the, it got surreal. And I've never seen that at any level of basketball. Right. So it, it was it was really something. Yeah. I mean, I we we talked about it, but that like that's what I savor is the things like that. Right. Yeah. There's there's always things you file away. I mean, I, I I said it on Facebook this week too. I just I wrapped my 21st season, which is hard enough for me to wrap my head around. Right. That yeah. I've been calling games for 21 years. Man, we're getting old. We are. <laughs> you know, Bruce Siski said that in, his, in the comments section. Man, we're old. You're darn right we are. Yeah. You know, but we uh, you file things away over the course of 21 years and. Yeah, this this year was fun. Right, you know, it was it was fun to go to the rink and and call those games again. And you know, I think if I have to pick one thing that's gonna gonna stand out in in my mind, you know, it, it probably is the the last ninety seconds of the second period against Stevens Point. I was just about to go there. Yeah. I was I was gonna bring that up because I was there that night. Yeah. Uh, the rink was packed. Yeah, that was. I mean, even though the game was lost in overtime, mm-hmm. that was one of the wildest sporting events I've seen this year. Yeah. Um, you know, men's soccer's uh, tournament uh, championship game against St. Glasgow was very wild. That was a wild game. You were there for that I one was as there well. For that one, yeah. Um, actually, you were doing PA for that one. Yep, which was interesting. Um, but those are the memories that you take. You know, and, and in a way, the last two or three minutes, like you said, that second period against Stevens Point was just incredible. Yeah, I it was I it was another one where my jaw dropped, and I was lucky enough to just be able to watch it. Instead of call the game, right? I would have loved to have heard what you said, but I, I was, could probably cue it up because it's it's all in there. <laughs> right, yeah, just like what I said during the during the twenty four nothing start to Bethany Lutheran, right? But it's it's just like those are the reasons why we do it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, those are the reasons, and that's what I tried to illustrate in my Facebook post was, you know, we do, we don't necessarily it's not just about winning and losing. It's about the the experience that you have, looking at it, feeling it, and then being able to convey it. Right, and that's why we do what we do. Yep, absolutely. So absolutely, you know, and it's there's always the you feel bad because you know you're losing that group of seniors, and yeah. that's that's the worst part about all of it is you're never going to see some of these athletes compete again, you know. But there's always the the next group coming up, yep. whether it's the juniors who are now going to be seniors or the incoming freshmen that we don't even know about yet. Right? Yeah. You know, there's there's always a new group that comes in and puts the jersey on, and that team will take on its own kind of identity, and you know, right. you just you kind of you kind of see where it goes. Absolutely, you know, I, I but, agree wholeheartedly. But with that the one. other piece of it, and I had I, I had to clarify this for somebody here in the last week is we we love what we do, right? We we love watching these student athletes compete. We love every part of that job. At the same time, when a season does end, there is a small piece of relief. Yeah, there because is. it's such a grind. It is a real grind, and there's. It's it's weird because we talked about this in the last podcast. You get that six weeks, about four to six weeks, where there's nothing going on in between winter and spring, yep. and it's because the fields are not ready to play yet right. for the spring season. Um, but then you're also not only are you kind of recharging your batteries from winter, you're also preparing for the chaos that ensues inevitably as a result of the spring season hitting you. What do you mean chaos? <laughs> what do you mean? 
So, we have, so we have to reschedule the doubleheader four times. You, yeah, I you know, end up yeah, playing exactly. it on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. And I was actually trying to explain this to one of my coworkers at the after-school programs at the Y. Because is, is, she was asking. She's like, this was just yesterday, actually. She asked, well, what's it like? I'm like, you really do have to be incredibly flexible. There is no set rhyme or reason to anything. And that's how it feels a lot of the time. Yep. Some springs are worse than others. Last year was really bad. Yeah. But – you know, it's it's one of those things where we get four to six weeks now where we can take a deep breath, put a wrap on what happened in the winter, and then the two weeks preceding it, you start to begin to cycle through. Okay, now we're getting into what is the most frenetic and uncontrolled, I would say, season of the of our the sports calendar, which is the spring season. No, absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, we we had a few postponements and and uh, you know reschedules during the. Uh, Fall season, winter, we almost never have that unless there's such a major winter event. We had Ezekiel. a few. Yeah, Ezekiel, something like that. Yeah. But the spring, it is wide open. Yeah. And I'm almost feeling like we've been lucky because it's been really mild lately. It, honestly, it's been a mild winter. Yeah, it has been. All the snow came at once. You know, you got a few inches here and there, but all the right. snow came at once. We didn't have that stretch of cold like we did no. last winter. No, we never got it. In, you know, we had a few days here and there where it was below zero and it was cold, but, you know, we're accustomed to that. That's no big deal. You, you, we didn't have the, oh, we're not going to go above zero for a week and a half kind of Well, like of 2013, stuff. we had like right. a month straight of it. Like yes. it wasn't even just a day here, a week there, or even right. two weeks It there. was make sure it you was, have a really good battery in your car. Yeah. I mean, it was like colder here than Mars <laughs> or something like that. Like I remember there was some graphic that it came It was up. the North Pole. Yeah. We were, we were, it was the North Pole. I still have it someplace. Okay. But, yeah. Because I took a picture of the TV and sent it to all my relatives living in Arizona because they wouldn't believe how cold it really was. And we were actually colder than the North Pole and the South Pole. Yeah. Antarctica was warmer than we were. Yeah. Yeah. So So think about that for a minute. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, it was, that was a weird year. This year we really lucked out. I thought after Winter Storm Ezekiel, we were going to get crushed. Yeah, because everybody was saying, well, the Farmer's Almanac says they're going to have eight of these this winter. And I'm going, oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. There's right. no way. Where are we going to put all that? Right. Yeah, exactly. So I have no idea. And as it is, the snow mountains across, that's what we call them. The snow mountains that are across from uh, from. I've named <laughs> it Mount, Mount Ezekiel. Have you? Yes, I did. It? Okay. Mount Ezekiel is impressive. If you've, if you've driven up, <laughs> what is that? Is that Erlenbach Way? What is that street? Morelli right? Drive. Morelli Drive. Okay. My bad. Morelli Drive, you go back there. You'll notice that there are bulldozers and dump trucks that are traversing what looks like a big hill back there. That's not necessarily a hill. What it is is it's a lot of dirt and snow. Yes. And they're actually there's so much of it back there, you can actually climb to the top of it now. Yep. And it's nothing but dirt and snow. Yeah. You can just go right to the top. And, in fact, that will probably start to melt and it'll probably be, well, this year, it will be press. You'll be hard-pressed to get it done by August. Yeah, you'll still have stuff there in July, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. You won't have the mountain. No. But you're still going to be able to find some snow. But that's the amount of snow that we've had. So if you want a good visual. But I just love how they've built that and now it has like a driving track on it so they yeah. can drive up to the top on one side dump and then go back down the hill and go get more snow right and the yeah. dozer comes behind and just pushes it off the edge and like wow this is yeah. really sophisticated <laughs> it's yeah they've got that system down i mean i've kind of watched for years now i marveled at it when we've had a lot of snow but uh, now of course like you said the the form the the final damage i guess from ezekiel now is being shown back behind mwc and over near Ho- Ole hogsroot field and if you go back there and you look at it <laughs> It's impressive. It's impressive, yeah. It's right behind the holiday over there. So if you folks are driving on more really drive, take a look to your right and realize that that entire hill over there, that's nothing but dirt and snow. I feel like I should start selling tickets. You know, pick your, (laughs) sort of like the baby pool, you know, pick your date. 
when this all right. is going to be melted and make it a fundraiser. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. You could, yeah, everybody, everybody put in your time. Yep. Pick a time when you think this will actually all disappear. Yep. Because if you know it's the beginning of the year, like I said, it is flat out there. There's nothing there. Right. Now there's a huge mountain there's out there. There's a mountain. Yeah. So just, just an FYI, if you're curious as to what all that is back there, it's all just dirt and snow. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. So the uh, the postmortem begins. Let's talk yeah. about some sports that happened last week. Okay, well, we'll start out with the team that got eliminated first, unfortunately. The men's basketball team, they finished up the season 16-10. and 10. Lost their last three games of the 2019-20 campaign, which is a downer. But again, a really good year for them. Um, and their final loss at the end of the season, 92-72 to 72 against Bethany Lutheran in the UMAC Conference Tournament semifinals. That game was played last Wednesday, so a week ago as we record this. <laughs> At the North Gym in Mankato, Minnesota, that was a game that the Yellow Jackets fell behind early, and just like the regular season finale, unfortunately, it was eerily similar to how that game unfolded. I know you were updating me as the game went along, and uh, it looked a lot like, just even on the stats, very similar to the game that they lost uh, to close out the regular season. Almost to a T. Yeah, almost to a T. Almost to a T with with how quickly Bethany came out. You know, and I think the first 10 minutes of the the first half, they were shooting upwards of 80%. Yeah. They just weren't missing. Yeah, they did. Yeah, it's it's awfully hard to to keep pace with that. And it's interesting because I was actually down there, of course, and we'll talk more about the women's game down there. Uh, Saint Glasgow's men were playing down there, and Bethany came out pretty tight in the first half of that game. Glasgow was the team that was making everything at the start of that game, so it does flip flop a little bit, right? But uh, yeah, for the second straight game down there, the Yellow Jackets were fell victim to some very very hot shooting by the Vikings. Yellow Jackets didn't shoot badly themselves. They were at nearly 47% at 46.9, which is good. But Bethany was crazy. They were at 54.7%, and they came down a little bit in the last couple minutes there. They were shooting, like you said, in the 60s and 70s for a while, the start of each half. And when that happens, it's you know there's pretty much academic. Right. Having said that, Alan Anderson had a monster game in his last game as a Yellow Jacket, to say the least. Another night, he would have been the hero of the day. 31 points. He was 13 out of 19 from the field, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc. And the only other Yellow Jacket, unfortunately, that was in double figures, Eli Vogel, the freshman, who became a consistent scorer as the year went on. 13 points. He was 4 for 7, 2 for 3 from beyond the arc, and 3 for 3 from the stripe. It was the final game for the Yellow Jackets for seniors, Vid Malinkovich, Mac Rechtal, Colt Williams, Alan Anderson, as we mentioned, Andrew McGill, and Joe Kramer. So um, good luck in their future endeavors. It's always sad to see this group go. Uh, I've gotten a chance to know Vid and Mac and Colton. Very well, of course, Andrew as well. He's been a four-year player here. Joe Kramer was a three-year player here. And Allen came in for his senior year after transferring from Bemidji State. But uh, nice group of young men. And uh, they're all good students. They're all good human beings. And uh, I'm sure that they're uh, on their way to good things in their lives. But, again, like you said, it's that bittersweet thing. Right. You know, uh, I was not with them that night. I would have liked to have been there, but I was with the women instead. Um but there were some uh, conference honors that were handed out to that group as well, just recently, actually, within the last couple of days. V. Malinkovich was named first team all-conference for the 2019-20 campaign. First team all-conference. Alan Anderson was named second team all-conference. Mason Ackley, the freshman who has great things in front of him. Honorable mention all-conference and was named to the UMAC all-defensive team. All Joe Kramer was named the UWS's representative on the UMAC sportsmanship team. So there were some postseason honors for those guys. and. I can't say that those guys didn't all deserve those honors. They all had pretty right. good years, yep. especially Vid uh, in his senior year. Uh, had a really, really good year. I know he struggled a little bit uh, down the stretch. Yeah, he did. Basically, once he was on with us, after that he kind of struggled yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he went over 1,000 points, which uh, – It's like the Madden cover curse. Well, I'd, I'd like to think that it's not quite that <laughs> grim, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately that's uh, that was uh, what happened with men's basketball. So they finished up 16-10. and 10. Congratulations on a nice year for them. Really Very good, good year. year. 
Women's basketball also had another stellar year. 18-9 and nine they finished on the season. They split their final two games of 2019-20, both in the postseason. Defeating Northwestern in a wild ball game that I had on the radio a week ago, 90-83 in the UMAC Conference Tournament semifinals last Wednesday before falling to Bethany Lutheran 64-58 to in the UMAC Championship game at the North Gym in Mankato on Saturday. That was the seventh straight time the L Jackets have been in the Conference Tournament title game, two in the uh, WIAC and five straight now in the UMAC, so seven straight years. Which is pretty remarkable. It is. That's a crazy streak. You know, I, I don't. I don't care what level you're at. Nope. When you're playing, when you're playing for that last chance to go to the NCAA tournament for seven straight years, mm-hmm. you're doing something right. Yep. Uh, in that game against Northwestern, the Jackets jumped out on the Eagles early, and I thought it was going to be another repeat of what we saw. I think everybody did. Yeah. Uh, everybody thought it was going to be the week before. Yeah. Same thing. Because they came out blazing. The Yellow Jackets led it twenty to ten after one. Then they were up forty three twenty seven at half before the. Eagles really caught fire in the third quarter. Outscored the Jackets 28-18. The only trail 61-55. And from there, it became a game of attrition. 57 total points in that fourth quarter. That's cr- It was ridiculous. Yeah. Both teams were just making shots left and right. Yep. And it was fun to watch. I mean, you and I talked about it in your office afterward. That was just a fun game to watch. It was. It was a lot of fun. And I the, the fact that Coach Zach Otto Fisher was able to be loose enough to it during the third quarter, look down at Aaron Call, the head coach of Northwestern, and go, what do you have, an X on the floor right there? Yeah. Because everything you're shooting from that spot is going in. <laughs> I, when he told me that, I was they like, They made that's, about that's four or five corner three-pointers. In a row. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they raced that deficit so quickly because every time they went down their throw to the corner, whoosh, Somebody swish. was making it. Yeah. yeah. They had three or four different players that made them from that spot, right. too. It wasn't like it was the same girl. No. It so was, it, was, it was like a practice for them in that yeah, spot. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Uh, it was a fun game to watch, though. And it, it was. It was great. Jack had shot four. 44.6%, although I think that that kind of is – I feel like they made more shots than that, and I talked about it on the air. I felt like they shot better than that right? because they made a lot of shots. <laughs> and so did Northwestern. Northwestern was over 50%. They were at 508 But the big highlight for that one, Mackenzie Kimmick. That was awesome. Yeah, she went wild. <laughs> and the, she, went, she actually played really well the last two games. Yep. She finished out her senior career the way you want to finish it out. Yep. 23 points, which was a career high for her. Six out of eight from the field, 10 for 11 from the stripe. But she did all that. Here's the really remarkable part. 17 minutes. Yep. She was averaging more than a point a minute. Yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. And down the stretch, you were just hoping the ball was going to be in her hand. Yeah. I mean, she just kept going to that left hand where she just would kind of dive into the lane, kind of slash into the lane, flip it up, and it would go in every single time. And then they started following her, and she made all of her free throws. So 17 minutes, 23 points for Kimmich. Marissa Ruiz had 16 points. She shot well. 5 for 8 from the field, 3 for 3 from beyond the arc, and 3 for 4 from the stripe. Emily Carpenter, 15 points. And her final home game is the Yellow Jacket. Five for 12 from the field, three for seven from beyond the arc, and two for three from the stripe. While Eva Reinertsen finished off her home career, 14 points, 12 rebounds, double-double for Eva Reinertsen. Unfortunately, that led into Saturday, 64-58, the final score. Jackets lose it. Third loss to the Vikings this year. And a game that was very hotly contested, and I was actually quite pleased with how the Yellow Jackets played. They led for most of the game, uh, really pushed the Vikings very hard. And there was a lot of nervous Bethany Lutheran fans in what was a packed gym down there. And they should have been. The Jackets played really well, especially in the first half. Um, and then the second half, uh, the whistle started blowing and uh, things didn't go the Yellow Jackets' way from there on out. Game was tied 17-17 at halftime before UWS outscored the Vikings 13-7 in the second quarter to lead 30-24 at the break. From there, the Vikings outscored the Jackets 17-11 in the third for a dead even score of 41 apiece heading into the fourth quarter. And from there, the Vikings outscored the Yellow Jackets 23-17 to win the game by six. Shooting numbers were about the same both ways. Jackets were at 40.7% while the Vikings were at 42.3%. So right about the same. 
Mackenzie Kimmick led the way for the Jackets, 14 points. She was 6 for 13 from the field. Emily Carpenter with 11 points. And that was the final game for Yale Jacket seniors. Eva Reinerson, Emily Carpenter, Marissa Ruiz, and Mackenzie Kimmick. Postseason honors for them as well just were announced uh, within the last day or so. Eva Reinerson and Emily Carpenter were both named first-team all-conference. Congratulations to them. Marissa Ruiz named honorable mention all-conference, while Mackenzie Kimmick was named to the UMAC sportsmanship team. So it's nice to see the four seniors all getting some recognition as well from the conference. If the Yellow Jackets win that game, Mackenzie Kimmick is the playoff MVP. She is. And she came and it's in. not even close. No, and she came in averaging just over two points a game going into the tournament. Right. So it just shows you that anything can happen. Anybody can cu- catch fire, and you never know what's going to happen. And um, I talked to her after the game, and I said, uh, you know, you really close out your career the way you want to close it out. I mean, she – Mackenzie Kimmick is a very quiet per- individual. She doesn't necessarily come off as a real charismatic person. She tends to be a little bit on the down low in terms of personality. But, uh, man, was she good those last two games. She was fantastic. She was really good also in that game against uh, Bethany Lutheran. Even Reinertson, I felt bad for her because even ended up with nine points, five rebounds, which was not where she wanted to go as far as points go. But she played really good post-defense in the mm-hmm. first half. And then fouls got to the L Jackets the second half, and they couldn't body up as much as they would have liked to have in the post. But uh, all four seniors actually uh, played pretty well in that game. So it was a nice way for the L Jackets to go out. Men's women's indoor track and field. Both teams hosted the UMAC Indoor Track and Field Championships this past weekend at the Lydia Thuring Fieldhouse in Superior on Friday and Saturday. The men won their fourth straight UMAC Conference Indoor Track and Field Championships. So congratulations to head coach Glenn Drexler. UWS finished with 182.5 points. That was enough to edge St. Glasgow, who finished with 178, so it came right down to the wire. You know, and that was a, a big margin after Friday. Yeah, because they won a bunch of events on they that Friday. They won four events on Friday, the guys did, and they had a significant lead. And then in, on Saturday, St. Scholastica started making up ground in the sprinting events, and the next thing you know, it was a two-point deal. Right. And you're going, yeah. oh my gosh, this is going to come down to the final event. Right, yeah. yeah. And you know, thankfully, the Yellow Jackets will be able to hang on and win yet another indoor track and field championship. UWS, as you mentioned, John, won four of their five events on Friday for the Weekend, C.J. Pellath, copy and paste, copy and paste, won the weight throw with a distance of 19.01 meters. He also won the shot put with a distance of 16.32 meters. He has already qualified now for the NCAA championships in the weight throw, as we talked about last week, and he established a UMAC championships record with his distance in the shot put. So all of a sudden now he's number one in both those mm-hmm. in the conference, which is also in the top 15 nationally, so there's a chance that he could qualify for both. Yeah, he's fifth in the weight throw and 15th in the shot. So okay. I, he's going he's gonna to compete this weekend, uh, one of a few athletes that is going to go down to Stevens Point in the last chance and see if he can firm that up in the shot. He's puts. really going to put, I think, some emphasis on that shot now. Uh, yep. Last time I talked to him, he was perfectly comfortable with where he was on the weight. He was not happy with where he was on the shot, and he really wanted to go for that uh, you know, NCAA championships mark. So right. um, that's what he'll be looking for. Uh, but the L Jackets also got a victory in the high jump from Brett Goplin, who won with a height of 1.83 meters. UWS also won two relay events, taking the 4 by 200 meter relay with a time of 133.02, and then the distance relay with a time of 11.06.49. Distance relay sounds like it would be really, really grueling to me. Well, distance running in general, yeah. I think, is really really grueling to the majority of the population. Yes. You, know. you and I have talked about the fact we're not runners. No. No. Mm-mm. I mean, I you and I both played that. sports that required running, but we only did it because we had to for the sport. Yeah. I mean, I like you're not going to get me out there running just four and a half miles because it's fun. Yeah. Um, but they do it. That's their sport. So uh, I always have big props and big uh, respect for the Absolutely. Uh, for the distance runners because they, they're much tougher than I am. 
Uh, meanwhile, on the women's side, they finished third at the UMAC Championships. The Yellow Jackets finished with 98 points as a team. Saints Glass kind of blew everybody away, really, winning the event with a team score of 240 and a half points, while Minnesota Morris placed second with 145, so the Saints easily ahead. UWS took two events in the UMAC Championships. Mathia Brink won the 5,000 meters, 1949.67, and there again, there's that uh, distance running thing again, and it just... It looks like it's painful to me in a lot of ways, but I know there's a strategy to it. Yep. And we talked about that with uh, Glenn Drexler when we yep. had him on for cross country. Uh, Yellow Jackets also took the 4x200 relay title with a time of 155.35. So both 4x200 meter relay teams took conference titles. So congratulations to them. And as John mentioned, they'll be in action this past this coming weekend, um, and it'll be a last chance meet before the NCAA championship. I think he's got week. eight total athletes that are going. Okay. Okay, and we'll talk more about that in the final segment. Women softball now two and four overall. They played two games last week. They were swept by Bethlehem non-conference action, seven to six and eight to three, in a pair of games at the Dundas Dome in Dundas, Minnesota, on Saturday. And that I first, didn't even know that was a thing. Dundas Dome? Yeah, it wasn't a thing when I was in school down there because Dundas is really close to Northfield, right? And we didn't have it. Like that did not exist. So that's a relatively new phenomenon. Relatively new. I say that because I graduated more than twenty years ago. But uh, yeah, we didn't have that. Uh, for either our baseball or softball teams are at uh, St. Olaf. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know that was a thing either. But, uh, yeah, that's where the Yellow Jackets were on Saturday. UWS actually in that first game turned into a real barn burner. The Yellow Jackets were down 7-1 to hitting the seventh inning before they scored five times in the top of the seventh to make the Royal sweat but could not come all the way back. Davriana Horvath, who had a really good day. She was two for three really with a good. double and a run scored. Yeah, yeah. she's – she had a really, really nice pair of games. Olivia Bancroft-Hart, meanwhile, two for four with an RBI. Amanda Kishish went all the way for the Yellow Jackets in the circle. Six innings pitch, 11 hits, seven runs. Five of them were earned. She didn't walk a batter, and she struck out two. I feel like she's only – has she even walked a batter yet? I don't think she has. I'd have to go back and look. I don't think she I don't has. Think, I don't think she did because she didn't, she didn't walk anybody up at uh, Finlandia. No, and she was shocked by that because I talked to her about it, and she's like, I didn't walk anybody? She, oh. she literally did not know that she had not walked anybody. Fair. So there you have it. And in game two, 8-3 loss to the Royals in the second game, giving the Royals the sweep of the day. Bethel scored five times in the first, and that was pretty much it. Daviana Horvath, though, had another big game for the Yellow Jackets. She was 3-4 for four with an RBI. Ashley Typola, she got the start for the Yellow Jackets, pitched the first five innings, gave up 10 hits, eight runs, seven of which were earned. She walked four and struck out three. Taylor Kramer finished up for the Jackets. She pitched the final two, giving up two hits, no runs, two walks, and one strikeout. Baseball did not play last week. But they will be this week, so we'll talk about them in the final segment. They played. Baseball did? Yeah. No, they played on that Tuesday. Oh, that was Tuesday. Yeah. Correct. We talked about that with the Got Pioneer. me again. Yeah. <laughs> this is weird for us. For those Got of you who again. don't know, this is <laughs> – in the first half of the year, we were recording these on Tuesdays. Yes. So that – and that, under those circumstances, yes, we would be talking about the, that pair of games Correct. against Carroll. But now we're recording this on a Wednesday. Correct. So we're all turned around. And I was wondering, yeah, if, if I was, I had to look too, though. And I'm trying to get used to this Wednesday thing as well. Yep. So, No, baseball didn't play last week, but they will be this week. So we'll talk more about them in a second. But in, in between, Tommy Lentz was named UMAC Pitcher of the Week. After giving up just three hits, a one earned run in four innings while striking out five and walking four in the Yellow Jackets split against Carroll as they won the second game. It was Lentz's first career victory and his first conference Pitcher of the Week award. So good for him. Congratulations, Tommy Lentz. Good start to the year. Yep. Brandon Rolfe also was named UMAC Baseball Player of the Week after going 4-for-6 in the season opening doubleheader against Carroll in that split at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. He had two doubles and scored four runs in the two games. It's the first UMAC Player of the Week honor for Rolfe, so congratulations to both of them. 
And like I said, they will be in action at the end of this week. They'll be playing four games in Topeka, Kansas against a team from Iowa. We think. We think. Yeah, exactly. We're that, we always do the we think thing when it comes to the spring stuff. Yep. Women's hockey finished up their season 17-8-2. and Lost to UW River Falls 1-0 on Friday before tying the Falcons 2-2 in overtime. Both those games were in the semifinal round of the Wyatt Conference Tournament. In the first game, the 1-0 loss. UW River Falls' Bella Wagner scored the game's only goal 17 seconds in the second period. That was all she wrote for that one. Mackenzie Whalen took the loss for the Jackets. She's had a really strong second half of the year. Very strong. 23 Very saves strong. for her. Yeah, she's been really good. I think Daniel's got to keep her back there. Yeah, I think he's probably a lot more comfortable yeah. heading into the offseason now knowing what he's got in goal yep. for the and next then, couple of years. Yeah, because uh, she's only a sophomore, so she's going to be around for a couple more years. Yep. At UW River Falls in game two, 2-2 overtime tie, as I mentioned. Yellow Jackets scored once in both the second and third period. Amanda Sargent scored the first goal for the Yellow Jackets from Kaylee Martinson at 12.40 in the second period, and then Kaylee Martinson rounded out her Yellow Jacket career with the final goal of her Yellow Jacket career at 6.50 of the third off an assist from Sargent. Catherine Johnson ended up with the decision in goal, although a tie is not really much of a decision. 30 right. saves, but it did unfortunately end the Yellow Jackets season as the Jackets needed to win to force the minigame and said they get a tie. So River Falls advances based on a tie and a victory in the two games. Final game for seniors, Molly Shelton, Kaylee Martinson, Lauren Niska, and Catherine Johnson in Yellow Jacket jerseys. So we'll miss those four, especially Kaylee Martinson. I looked up her numbers, 26 goals this year. Yep. I'll just let that speak for itself. Yep. <laughs> 26 goals in 27 games. Yeah, and she had a, a few assists in there, too, so she yep. averaged more than a point a game. She was a Cy Young winner. I mean, she had the 26 goals, 9 assists or something like that. Okay. You know, yeah. but, yeah, yeah she, uh, she she put together a really nice career. Yeah, she really did, and she was outstanding this year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to miss her seeing her on the ice. Uh, Got used to seeing uh, number 7 in white to skate around at Westman Arena. And right. Now her career is over, but uh, how about that for senior year? And she's going to be winning some serious awards here. I would think. Yeah. She's going to be in the run, and that's for sure. Yeah, she led the conference in scoring. So I would expect that she'll be probably either conference player of the year or close to it. She'll be at least be first team all conference. So. Yeah, there's no doubt about yeah. that. Yeah, so uh, we'll be, keep an eye out for those uh, postseason awards because Kaylee Martinson is going to get a slew of them, I would think. Yeah, they're coming this week. Are they? Mm-hmm. Okay, they're coming this week. Same story for men's hockey. They finished up 16-10-3 on the season. They were swept by UWO Claire in the semifinal round of the Wyatt Conference Tournament. On Friday and Saturday at Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire, final scores 4-1 and 2-0. In the Friday game, the Jackets scored their lone goal in the third period. Bruno Berzaitis from Andrew Durham and Connor Hamannick at 238 of the third. That made it a 2-1 game, but then uh, two more goals for the Blue Golds over the last, what, I guess 18 minutes or so. Oscar Svensson, 29 saves as the Jackets, again, losing 4-1. to And then in the final game of the campaign, Jackets shut out 2 to nothing. Eau Claire scored once in the first and second, and that was all she wrote. Oscar Svensson, 28 saves for the L Jackets, and it was the final game for seniors Colton Nelson, Liam Blaze, Bruno Berzaitis, and Andrew Durham. So four more seniors to add to the list that are moving on now as their L Jacket careers come to an end. And I know it's always bittersweet, John, yep. uh, coming to the end of the hockey season. Uh, you saw both games. I didn't see either one. Mm-hmm. I was uh, – Otherwise engaged with other matters. Right. But uh, I know that uh, you were a little bit unhappy with how they played on Friday. Played better on Saturday, though, I think is what you, you know, said. You know, they came out real good on Friday. Okay. I mean, uh, the first seven, eight minutes of the first period was really good. Okay. Really good. And j- the first period in general, you know, even though they were down one nothing at the end of the period, the first period in general, they were quite good. Okay. And 
you know, Coach McKenna said in the pregame interview for Saturday. And then we came out for the second period. We left our legs. We left our game plan in the dressing room. And it was it was horrible. It's kind of a mirror image of what and happened had the to, first time we played him down and there. And he had to call a timeout early in the period to sort of hit the reset button and, and get guys back to doing what they needed to be doing. Um, but they were never really able to recover. Yeah. And even though they were only down 2-1, to one, you know, in the early stages of that third period, yeah, you, you could – we didn't have enough right, in the legs yeah. that night, and Eau Claire is way too good to not have enough in your legs. Right. They're a good team. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I've said it all season long. I feel like they're the best team we've seen. Right. They, uh, they're they so good defensively. Yeah, they're Their tough. Their goaltender is good. Their defense core is, has to be among the best in the nation. Yeah, I know you're really impressed with their decor. They're going to give people fits. Yeah. They're going to give people fits the rest of the way. You know, are they the uh, – they're not quite the defensive juggernaut that Norwich is, but I nobody is. I feel like at the end of the day, they're going to be right there at the end. Okay, they're yeah. that good. That Norwich team gives up deep. less than a goal a game, by the way. Yeah, I didn't see what happened with them on Saturday, but they had, they went into Saturday's game having rolled seven straight shutouts. Yeah, it, it is. It crazy. had been over 450 minutes since they'd allowed a goal. That number is crazy to me. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, they hadn't given up a goal in over a month, and they score plenty too. That's yes, the they other do. Thing. Yeah, they, they do. score a lot of goals too. So. I have a hunch the cadets will be there at the end of the year, um, but I, I think Eau Claire is going to be there too. They're that good. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, it's, it's always depressing when yep. you lose, especially guys like Andrew Durham, who we had on the podcast earlier in the year. Yep. Uh, you know, Bruno's been around for four years now, Liam, you know, and Colton, all, the, all four of those guys have put in their time. Yeah, you, you know, know, and they were all part of McKenna's first recruiting class. Yep. You know, and they, they, they survived it. Yep. And... That's what, you know, it's kind of how you look at it, especially coming in with a new coach and going through some of the the bumps right. along the way that that group had to go through. They're, they're survivors. Oh, yeah. And they, yep. they definitely left the program in a better place than it was when they came in. And they took their lumps and uh, came on the other side of it better yeah, for it. you know, so, yeah. and, you know, and when this program starts to reap the benefits of all that, they, they, they played a big role in that. Right. Yep. So... So that was the week that was. That is the week that was, and we're going to take a break. Oh, depressing ahead. as it was. It was depressing. Yes. It was depressing. It's going to end some sometime at some point. It always but, uh, does. Fortunately, that was uh, the end of the winter season for some of those teams. And Indeed. Like you said, we move on. Mm-hmm. And we'll move on. Yes, we we're will. We're going to take a break, and we will come back and uh, sit down with the coach of one of those programs, Zach Otto Fisher from the Yellow Jacket women's basketball team, to kind of come and go over – the, the end of his team season, and a look ahead to next year as well. All that and more when I Have the Swarm continues right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back on this week's edition of I Have the Swarm, and we are joined by Yellow Jacket head women's basketball coach Zach Otto Fisher as the funeral for a friend continues. Our winter sports post-mortem is what we're calling it, Coach. And uh, it was a a tough week for our winter sports teams as uh, nobody really finished up the way that they wanted to, and uh, your team definitely falls into that category, doesn't it? Absolutely does. I mean, like I said, I think hockey and men's basketball and or both hockey teams and us, you know, going into the week feeling good and uh, was hoping one of one of the teams could have for sure moved forward. But when you look back, I think all four teams had a very good winter when you look at the, you know, five to six month overall season. We talked about it a little bit in the, the opening segment, how we, 
You know, it, it's historical in that. I think it's the first time. I'd have to go back and look, and it, it wouldn't be a difficult research to, to find because women's hockey started in 1998, so you only have to go back a couple of decades worth. But I, I, this is the first time all four of those teams have been above 500 in the same season. So from a historical standpoint, yes, absolutely, it 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 was the most successful season we've had for those four winter sports. And I think that's great. I mean, we talked about it as as a team as well. Like, it's not just about us. It, I mean, what Coach P did with the men's team, it's awesome. And Rich in the, I mean, they came out so hot. And then to secure that three seed when they needed. And, and Dano as well. I mean, they played and upset some big teams throughout the year. So, I mean, I think from a coaching standpoint in the athletic department, it's awesome when you have, you know, four of your winter sports teams. I mean, then you throw track in there. Was it indoor, outdoor? I don't know. Cross country. One of their track running seasons is we, you know, it's definitely not outdoor. Yeah. Jack. <laughs> we do, you know, as yeah, you no joke, you're going to be always in ice, season. No. Some ice chunks and some moguls out there if you're running outside right now. But with their indoor, I mean, I think for UWS, I think it was a great winter for all the sports, and I think it just goes to show um, what we're doing as an athletic department and the type of um, student athletes that we're getting in our programs. Let's talk a little bit about your season now, as we. You know, we look back on it, and uh, second place finish in the conference regular season, uh, the runner-up in that conference championship game last Saturday down at Bethany Lutheran. Um, again, not where you wanted to finish, but do you, from a team standpoint, look at this and go, yeah, this this was a really good year for us? You know, when you look back and reflect, yes. I, as a head coach, I would say yes, because, I mean, we went through a lot of um, adversity throughout the year. We had some major injuries. Uh, you know, as we talked earlier when we were in here for it, uh, we, we scheduled really tough, and, and I think our conference alone, it's not even just the non-conference games, it's its the the, the Northwesterns, the Morris, and the North Central, Scholastica. I mean, you look at our one through six, and, and I don't want to put down the other teams, but our one through five, one through six in the conference were really, really tough. I mean, Bethany Lutheran had two losses on the year, and it was to Northwestern, who got the three seed in our conference tournament. It just goes to show that one game you know, that you win is a huge difference. For us going into that final week, we could have went anywhere from one to four, you know, just with two games left and so I think it's good for the conference and and for our team yeah you know is many people look and say oh you had four seniors and you had Carpenter and Eva and and those are you know strong players for you they are but every year that is the same situation and and I think sometimes we get so caught up in comparison of our team from the previous year well look what Bethany's doing look what Northwestern's doing I mean Morris brought in transfers this year it's not just about oh what did we do wrong it's what are the other teams doing right and I know you and I talked about that um, last week a little bit. I mean, Bethany Lutheran, for example, they're a team that four years ago were sitting at 500 in the conference and weren't making the playoff tournament. And now for three straight years, they've been in the conference championship game. So, it's, you know, they're doing things right. And so we just got to make sure that we keep excelling and, and getting to be playing in that championship game every year. And, and yeah, you want to be the one seed and you want to win the conference. And I think that's important. But for for our girls, I think, or our ladies, they battled and they did everything right this year. And, and um, obviously you wish you could have got one or two more wins or, or finish down at Bethany with that win but I can I can walk away and say and, and there's times where I think coaches say it and they don't really mean it I can say full-heartedly that our girls walked off that basketball court at Bethany Lutheran and gave everything they they did I mean we changed our game plan going into it I mean we had Kimmick running the point for us we had Eva playing the five guard in their post the girls executed the game plan and, and I'm so proud of them in that way where you walk away and you tip your hat to Bethany, but I'm I I can't say we left anything. You know, like ah, oh, we could have done a little bit more. I mean, every single girl busted their butt, and um, as a coach, that's all you can ask is that you know they learned how to do that throughout the season. I'm glad you mentioned Mackenzie Kimmick because we talked about it in the previous segment before you came came on. You win that game Saturday. She's the playoff MVP. Oh, 100%. and you want to talk about that performance that came out of nowhere. 
Yep. You know, frankly, how awesome was that for for you as a coach to see somebody who's given everything for four years get rewarded like that? Yeah, I, it gives me goosebumps still thinking about it. I mean, here's a girl who is 1.89 points averaging throughout the season, steps up and hits, you know, 20 plus in the Northwestern game. And then I think she was our leading scorer at, Beth, at yep. Bethany with 15. And, and not even just like easy buckets. I mean, she took over and made some very crucial shots. I think, you know, for me, right for halftime, she goes to the hoop and gets a wide open layup. And it was, it was so cool to see because I'm like, eh, people aren't still giving you that little bit of respect, you know, and, or they were overplaying the other players. And so, um, yeah, selfishly, I was hoping we would have won. You know, for lots of reasons, but for that reason where to go show and be like, you stood out and, you know, deserved that if we would have moved forward and won. But even for her, she can reflect. And, I mean, again, she gave everything she could. There's no doubt in my mind that in, in anybody's mind watching, be like, ah, oh, she could have given more. Yeah, she could have for four years. But in her last two games, she sure as heck showed up to the to the court and, and played hard. And it, it's cool. It's cool to see that, especially for a four-year player who just kind of, you know, as coaches, you know, there's role players. And, and she was one of those role players for many years. And I think our assistant, Justine Larson said it best. She's like, I'm so proud of you because you stuck with it and you did, you contributed when you needed, but then you also had the ability to step up and take over a game and, and games like that, when they're taking away Carpenter, Eva, you need that player to step up. So no, it was, it was cool to see as, um, I mean, some of her shots, you're like, all right, you know, that's, that's a big time shot for us. And, and not just, you know, for me, I think a lot of people emailed me afterwards saying how, how, you know, happy they were and how excited they were for them. I mean, one, you know, superior, um, high school alum, I guess you could say, emailed me and said it brought tears to his eyes watching her perform like that. So I think definitely she'll look back and, and remember those two games. It was almost surreal watching her against Northwestern. She hit that three as the shot clock expired in the first half. And at that point, I was kind of like, she's in a zone now. Yep. You can kind of tell when a player's got that, that kind of look to her. And she had that look. I mean, the shot clock was about to expire when she let that thing go. And I was right in line with it from my vantage point. <clears throat> and when that thing went down, I was like, oh boy, okay, now she's She's feeling it now. Just get her the ball as much as possible from here on out. Because she is kind of she her game is tailored on kind of that ability to slash to the rim, kind yep. of find that little gap and then flip it up with the left hand. And Northwestern could never figure it out. And actually, Bethany really never figured it out either. You know how to how to guard her when she comes into the lane like that. Well, lefties and are lefties gonna, are tough. Ask, I mean, is it because she's left-handed? It is, I mean, it is. You <laughs> yeah. know, she's a lefty. You know, she's going to shoot with her left hand, but. You know, not a lot of teams have that lefty. So right. You, just, yeah. you know, I think you're half second delayed. I mean, when she did a pull up jumper over, you know, the six two Rio Landers from Northwestern, I was like, okay, like, right, yeah, <laughs> she's exactly. It. And then she did it again at Bethany. Yeah, she, she hit that last second three at the end of the uh, first quarter yeah, against tied Bethany it up too. At Seventeen, and I yeah. was like, okay, like, I mean, you just felt yeah. like, you're like, all right, she's gonna have a, another great game in her. Well, it was just the fact that the under the circumstances that she hit the two threes. Yep. The way that she hit them, they were both at the end of the shot clock or at the end of the quarter. Yep. Two seconds. You know, those left are big shots second. to take, and she made them both. Both confidently, without much trouble, and uh, the game against Northwestern. I mean, it was twenty-three points in seventeen minutes. I mean, yeah, that's that's a crazy, you know, points per minute stat right there. I mean, you don't see that very often at any level of basketball, where someone just comes in off the bench and just goes kind of wild. Well, offensively. Now you can look back and be like, Coach, what did you do? Why didn't you play her more during you know during the year? <laughs> but you know, I can say now she's a senior, she's not coming back next year. That she was a player that she is a very good role player. She just did what she needed. And towards the end, you know, Coach Hal and, and Justine and I, we started to put you know shot. Um, you know, most people you put shot limits on her. We had to say you need to take six to nine shots every game, otherwise we're not going to play you. And you know, you say that jokingly, but we're like, no, seriously, you need to shoot the ball six times, otherwise you, we're not going to put you out there. You're not helping the team if you're not taking those shots. And so it was cool for her where you, she took some shots, and I'm like, all right, you know, early in the year where she wasn't making them, but I'm like, 
keep taking them because you need to have that confidence that you're going to take those shots and all those teams will just you know leave you out in the corner and so for her to you know say all right what do you guys need from me this is what we can do um is it's cool and and um you know going back with what you said about that you know two years ago Katie White did that and versus Bethany Luther and I still remember she hit like the first two threes and then had a bucket and I think that game she had like 17 and I in the locker room I, I called her out and I said well either you made me look like the dumbest coach in the world for not playing you or starting you in a season or right. you know you stepped up in that game and, and it's I like when when players challenge coaches to be like hey you know I did have this in me well and the other thing the context that really makes it more interesting for me is of the four seniors on this team she's definitely the most unsung the other three are the three leading scorers on this team they play a lot of minutes and Mackenzie's been one of those players that has kind of she's kind of filled in her role here and there. The other thing about her is that of the four seniors, she's definitely the quietest of the four as well. She's not the charismatic, outgoing personality of an Eva Reinertson. You know, she's not the one that's going to take charge in the huddle necessarily, like an Emily Carpenter who's going to you know get into somebody's face. They're not playing well. You know, she's not going to make the jokes necessarily that Marissa Ruiz is going to make in practice. Uh, you know, Kimmy, as she's affectionately known, Kimmy, she's a little bit like. She's kind of in the background, and she seems like, personality-wise, she's okay with that for the most part. But then she stepped up, and it was just great because she had the biggest smile on her face mm-hmm. after that game against Northwestern, and it was great to see that from her because she's she's been kind of an unsung player. And of this group of seniors, she's definitely the one that kind of gets overlooked or had gotten overlooked. But it was really cool to see like the look on her face after the game against Northwestern just because you know it was nice for her to come out of her shell, or, or not, that's a bad way to put it. It was nice to see her be able to, to take the spotlight. Yep. under those circumstances, especially in her last home game as a Yellow Jacket. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better end to her home career as a Yellow Jacket. And, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I want to compete and we want to win, but I think sports in general, we're not going to look back in 10 years and be like, oh, I remember that 18-9 and nine season or that 24-3 and three season. You're going to look back at the, the memories. And I think for Kimmick, I mean, isn't that what it's about is for her to have this – she's always going to have this memory of, hey, I really stepped up and helped us. It's the same thing, you know, with Katie White. She's always going to remember that game, you know, tink, tink, tink. And it's not even her. I mean, this year when we lost to Northwestern at their place, their coach comes up afterwards right away and goes, hey, I'll give you this game if I could have last year's, you know, three ball bounce it and hit the rim. I mean, <laughs> that's what you remember is that stuff, not not the records. And so I think most definitely for Kimmick, I'm just so happy for her because that's what sports are about is, you know, in 10 years when we're having that alumni game, we're still going to be talking about, hey, remember when you went off for you know all those yeah. points and and I think that's the beauty of sports is when you have you know special moments like that no oh, it's the, the it's the moment in the sun thing for them I'll, I'll never forget the Katie White shot <laughs> I won't either I, I won't be, I, I won't either I, I mean from where I was standing the ball disappeared yeah it, it bounced so high I'm filming, yeah. it went away <laughs> it, it's gone and then all of a sudden it just comes back down through and I was like oh my God, what a moment. I'm looking for my, my photographer going, please tell me you got something from that. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's in my office, actually, the picture of them celebrating right. that you guys have in it. I think it was on the cover of yep. the, um, the sports thing. You yep. I, uh, I was, of course, on the air flat, and Bob Colby came over, and he asked me, what did you think? I would have loved to have heard your call on that one. I said, to be honest with you, I kind of blacked out, and I don't remember what I, what I said. <laughs> because it was like, I remember saying it's off the back rim. And I went for that half second, I was thinking that's it. Because it did hit up the back rim. Yeah, and then it was just pandemonium in the background. And Shaq was with me for the game, and he like stood up and was he didn't know how to control himself there for a second. I had to kind of slow him down, and then I had to realize that we're going to overtime because I thought for sure it was over at that point. 
Like I thought that was it. That right. was going to be. <laughs> well, the minute that went in, as a coach and player, you're saying, "Oh, we're winning in overtime. Momentum's ours." Like, right. you sure as heck better not lose this game. Right. Yeah. And I, I thought going in the overtime, now we're going to win this game. Yep. And you could just kind of see, unfortunately, for Northwestern that they, you know, from their point of view, that's a deflator. Yeah, it really that's a it deflator. took them out of them, and they were they were exhausted mentally and physically by the time the overtime happened, and. Uh, you know, we basically took control right away in the overtime, and it was never really after that. After nope, Katie Eva shot. went to the free throw line and put us up two, and then we went from there, and then she hit yeah. a three, and we won it. But not that yeah. we remember those moments. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, 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 that, those kind of shots are backbreakers. Yeah. They absolutely are backbreakers. I mean, they, they completely change the flow of a game. And we talk about basketball being a game of runs, and it is, but it's also a game of moments. And that was a moment, yep. you know, and it completely changed, especially late in the game, a late in the game moment like that. Completely changes the complexion of how the game goes, and so that was that was kind of uh, you know I don't know I'll, someday I'll be curious enough to go back and look in the archives to actually listen to my call of that. Oh, you probably got it over there. You could cue it up. <laughs> yeah, you could probably cue it up. But because uh, Bob came over and I, I think I kind of stumbled over my words a little bit. Even I get the feeling I did because I didn't know quite what to say. <laughs> you know, nothing worse too when you know you have that epic moment that's yeah. unfolding in front of you, and you totally choke as a broadcaster. Yeah, when you have that moment where you're just like, "Whoa, hey, I probably could have done a little better with <laughs> yeah. that." Yeah, and was, you wonder how many do do that. Like I was watching Miracle the other day. I mean, that's that moment will live forever, right? Do you believe in miracles? He had it down. You I mean you think about the Vikings couple? Years but I think ago. it was totally unrehearsed. I think but, it was but, too because yeah. I think people they've asked him, you know, if you rehearsed that. No, that was just right at, right at the moment. That was just stream of consciousness coming out. Well, and and then you you utter a line that is probably the most epic line yes. in sports broadcast history. Right. Yep. Yeah. That along with the Giants win the pennant. Right. You yeah. know. I uh, or I Kirby had, Puckett. We'll see, we'll you, see tomorrow you tomorrow night. night you know? Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I I think I said this during the broadcast of the uh, of the championship game, and I said this. I think it was in the second quarter because Kimmy kept scoring points, and I. <laughs> The guy from the Mankato uh, Free Press was sitting in front of me, and he was taking notes, and he kind of smiled because he turned and looked back at me because I said, after she made, after she got to like 12 points, and it was in the second quarter, I said something to the effect of, whatever Mackenzie Kimmick is having for breakfast, I wish I could have some of it too or something like that because she's on a roll. And he turned around and looked at me, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess I just made a moment there or something like that. But that's those are the moments though that you, like, you kind of look for, right, because it's – those are the moments that you hope that I mean that one was stream of consciousness that was just completely off the cuff I just happened to say it, but there are you know there are a lot of those memorable moments I don't even remember what I said I don't know if Al Michaels remembers what he said it's one of those things where like everyone you you know it's there because it's been recorded right but you don't go in there like you don't write it down necessarily and just go exciting moments say this <laughs> yeah <you know? laughs> yeah nobody like makes a big here's my list of statements the throughout, throughout the game and right. I want to use that one again so. right yeah well oh, and it brings you back to miracles <laughs> it brings you back to Randy Mahler right who <laughs> I don't you probably don't know who Randy Mahler is but he's a broadcaster for the is he Carolina Florida, Florida Panthers Florida Panthers uh, former player who uh, does their play by play but he actually works in sayings like oh really? Pop he, culture he, he opened it up to fans and said, "Send me your your pop culture references, and I'll use those as goal calls." You well, know, you know. So he'll do the whole he scores, then he'll jump into make me a bicycle clown. Yes, he, yeah, yeah. He's, on, the he's a K fan all the time. Yeah, and they're yeah. like, Where does yeah. he come up with these lines? Right. So he has people. Yeah. Okay. send these in to him, and he works them in. I mean, he's genius. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, ma, the meatloaf. That was. A good I mean, in a market that's unfamiliar to ice hockey. 
Right. It, it's brilliant because it pulls people in yep. and, and makes them want to listen to see what he's going to say next. Yeah, they played they played some of his clips on uh, on the fan in the morning show, and it was fantastic. Yep. It was one of the funniest things ever because he's so into it. Right. <laughs> kind of like a super trooper. How many times can you meow? You know, and it, like, exactly. Did he just say that? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, I, I just want to congratulate you, though, on another great year. I mean, back to the basketball thing here. Um you know, and I know the senior class for you is, is an especially dear one to your heart. Uh, you know, these four seniors have represented the program extremely well, mm-hmm. um, and especially you know the ones that have been around the four years. You know, I mean, I mean Rizzo has been there for the last two, and she was part of forty-two wins, so not a bad <laughs> ledger for two no, years not too of basketball. Shabby. Yeah, no. you know, but uh, with Eva, Emily, and also uh, Mackenzie, you know, their careers have been. I mean, they won eighty-eight games as 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 Yellow Jackets, and that's that's special. <coughs> You know, th- those are the kind of numbers that you that you look for. You know, and that you hope, <laughs> you know, that you'll you'll you can look back on your career and say, we are more than twenty, you know, wins a year. We won a bunch of conference titles. We hung a bunch of banners, yep. and so it was. It must be special to be able, to at least, even though the season is over, to be able to look back on the, on the, what the four seniors accomplished with with a lot of pride because what they did while they were here, you know, will help hopefully, you know, influence future generations of Yellow Jackets to continue to. to push and, and be that successful. Yeah, I think they will. And I think all four of them, you know, were unique. I mean, look at Kenzie, for example. She still holds the high school record for, you know, most points, 39 points in a game. People probably wouldn't know that based on, you know, just going into those final weeks of, you know, a yellow jacket. And for her to just keep battling, I think, just goes to show that she was a scorer in high school and then had to come into a different role in college. And, and she excelled at it. I mean, uh, Marissa, I mean, I... 5-1, you know, I don't know if she's 5-1 exactly. With the shoes on, she is, but she was told since she was a little kid, like, hey, you shouldn't be playing basketball. You can't excel at basketball. And she's going to walk away as one of our best three-point shooters on our on our court. And and I would say during the year, she single-handedly kind of won some games for us down the stretch, you know, going on 10-0 runs on her on her own versus North Central. And, um, you know, Eva, who is known as a girl who just shot threes in high school and stood there and, you know, was the tall girl and really good. And and obviously I'm picking on her. She had some, you know, other you know good basketball <laughs> traits to her and skills. And then Carpenter as well. I mean, she was, you know, straight up told you're never going to play college basketball by, you know, some AAU coaches and things like that. And and I think for her, it's it's cool to see all four of them had a unique story and, and they excelled and not just excelled. I mean, they had a great career, like you said. I mean, the wins, the, I mean, Emily getting first team, Eva getting first team, um, Rizzo honorable mention, and Kimmick got the sportsmanship award. I mean, that's being shown, you know, by the whole um, you know, UMAC conference that they are really, really strong players. And I'm, yeah, they are special. I mean, Carpenter is one of those girls where, I mean, I've known her for eight years, nine years from high school. I mean, we played each other for when I was a high school coach and she was a high school player. So that's one that's tough to say goodbye. And, you know, Eva will always just be that special, you know, program player. And, and Kimmy was my office worker and Marissa, you know, we recruited her in. So yeah, you, you know, it, it's hard to say goodbye to every single player, but, um, you know, that's, I think you're doing it the right way as a program that your players are invested in, in the coaches are where it should be hard to say goodbye. And you don't want that last game with them, but, um, yeah, it's, you look back and you know that you're going to keep that relationship, relationship going with them. And it's not just four years of college. It's, you know, hopefully 40 more years after this. So well, thankfully, hopefully they feel that way. Yeah. Thankfully, Emily is still going to be around because she now joins softball, Yeah, which is in the beginning of their season. So we'll see her. She plays outfield for the Yellow Jackets softball team. So if you get a chance to go over there and watch the Yellow Jackets play softball, you'll see Emily Carpenter running around out there in the outfield. Maybe somewhere else. I don't know. She's kind of a utility player. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, it is a special group, uh, and they've 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 achieved a lot in their careers. They've gone, I think, differently. They've gone about it a little bit differently, each one of them. 
but uh, you know, at the end result was a lot of wins and a, and a lot of uh, a lot of fun and a lot, a lot of uh, numbers added to the banners up at the Mertz. So uh, it's a fun group, and hopefully we'll we'll see more senior classes like them. We've had, I think, we've been lucky enough to have you know three or four of them in a row now. Senior mm-hmm. classes where you could really celebrate them and be like, this is a really great senior class because they did a lot, you know, and uh, achieved a lot. So um, you know, I know it's going to be a young team next year. It's going to be a different looking team. Uh, I know that you're recruiting hard on the trail right now. Um, you know, but, uh, every year is a different journey and that's kind of one of the things. And the journey with this group was, was I think a special one. Um, this is a pretty tight knit group and it was a team that had a lot of young pieces as well. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see more in the future. That's all I can say about it at this particular point. I mean, there's a lot up in the air, but you know, it's, it was another fun year and it was another pleasure for me to broadcast, uh, broadcast your team. I always think it is. And uh, I'll continue to say from now until the time, uh, whenever my time comes to an end. Well, thank you. I appreciate all you did for us, Matt. What does the offseason look like? Uh, the offseason started, let's see, we played Saturday, got home at 2 a.m., got in the car Wednesday, drove down to Iowa to go start recruiting some more players. So, <laughs> like I said, hard uh, on trail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I kind of joked with it. I'm like, you know, I think I got more sleep actually during the season than I did the last couple nights. But, uh, no, now it's just heavy being on the road recruiting. And now Minnesota State Tournament starts up next week, and then Wisconsin starts up there as well. Um, Iowa, they're in full swing as well. Michigan, you know, so it's big time being on the recruiting trail, um, you know, finishing up and watching. Your, your incoming freshman, but then also starting the class of 2021. You have to be out there, and it's just such a doggy dog world where you have to be out there doing those things. And, and for us, I enjoyed. I like the windshield time. So it's it's always three to four groups that you're worrying about. Your, your incomers, your you know 2021s, your current students on here right now, and then your seniors that are walking out. And so um, for us as a program, though, give the girls off some time, and you know we'll meet together, and we can meet you know through the the rules you know the NCAA you can meet it with your team up until that final championship game and we want to take advantage of that and have team meetings and, and go through with it and kind of see where we are next year but um, you know players don't want to see us coaches and we don't want to see them right now in a basketball sense I mean granted they're in the office still talking you know life but um, it's just making sure now that they're students and that their their grades are where they need to be and that they're getting their credits lined up and it's it's always go 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 I know people always say what's the off season like and it's well, I, I don't know it's just as busy as regular season right. but no now the fun time is um, you know making sure that make sure that they're succeeding in the classroom because they are student athletes so that's priority number one right now I know some coaches hate the recruiting trail I mean it's it's a grind it's it, a grind it's a yeah. real grind but you know all about it I you do take it, you yeah. know I never minded it I, I didn't mind windshield time I mean, when it when it was my turn to drive to Calgary okay I'll drive to Calgary it didn't phase me any I, I, I didn't mind it one bit you, you just said you don't mind it. How do you pass that time? Are you, you know, I'm going to start going through the contacts and just call everybody that's in the phone and get my conversations out of the way? Am I going to yeah. spend a good hour talking French toast with Don Mulhern? <laughs> am I going to, you know, am I going to call recruits? Am I going to, you know, turn the radio up as loud as I can and see how many bags of sunflower seeds I can eat? What's your, what's your road trip like? God, in all honesty, the first hour is just like no radio, no nothing. No, like, it's just like talking to yourself, talking huh? to yourself, zoning it out, being like, okay, you know, what's new like um I, I that first hour really is just kind of my time to just 
think about kind of that um, checklist. What do I need to do? I try not to call recruits on the road just because, you know, if they tell you something important, you want to remember it or, or go down, you know, write it down and have it for next time. So I, I always feel like I don't do that. Try to catch up with coaches. I mean, uh, one of my good, he's a high school coach, Jeff Monahan. I mean, one of the best friends. And I mean, we'll talk for an hour, hour 15, just talk shop and then, you know, find, you know bounce ideas off each other. Uh, yeah. And then Coach Mulhern, try to call him. He hasn't called me back yet. I called him, you know, four days ago, but <laughs> if he's listening. Maybe he's busy. Eating French toast. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of calling coaches, high school coaches. Who do we need to be watching? You know, who do we need to be? Um, you know, family. I, I try to call family a little bit. They don't like the one a.m. calls. I mean, my family's always like, it's it's the joke. And I use this. Uh, the River Falls coach. I just saw a tweet the other day. He goes, "I'm that guy who says, hey, call me, text me whenever you need me. I'm also that guy." Hey, saw you called two months ago. What's up? And I mean, that's how it is during season. And, and my family's always like, you never call me back. And I'm like, I'll call you at 1 a.m. when I'm on the road. And, you know, last night I was driving back up and I had to stop in Oatana area after about 1 a.m. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I'm like, well, I can call my family if they really want. But um, no, it's that time to just catch up. And actually, like even our coaches, you know, the UWS coaches, it's calling them and checking in and seeing how they're doing. Granted, we work, you know, we work next to each other, but we don't get time to talk to each other. So Coach P and I talk, you know, quite a bit on the phone. You know, it's that 1130, 12 o'clock phone call. You know that it's one of the coaches probably calling you. So, yeah, well, and sunflower seeds. You're right on that part. <laughs> Is that your vice? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Sunflower seeds Go in the gas station, get a cup of coffee and get another cup to spit the seeds into. <laughs> yeah. What do you got? R- original, dill pickle? I'm a big fan of spits. Dill pickle flavor. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Those are yep. my those are my go tos on road trips. Yep. Doesn't go granted, good with coffee I have a, though. I'm no, it doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> but and granted, I haven't been on the recruiting trail in three years. But when I when I would, you know, and I would try to, because at the time you could only buy Spitz brand right yeah. in, in Canada. Okay. So when I'd get north of the border, I'd load up and and get my <laughs> my seeds and try to to plan my my route properly to make sure I had enough for the entire road trip back home. But it was the the dill pickle spits were my favorite. Still are, yep. love them. Yep, absolutely love them. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I feel like we could have a conversation. plus. Once you get across the border, then you're in Tim Hortons country, and then there's right. one, there's one of those on every corner, which works <laughs> awesome for me. I feel like this is one of those That's conversations true. you could have with both Nick and Frank too. Oh, absolutely. Out what yeah. their favorite ones are. You know, I mean, you could have a really good conversation with every coach and say, let's you know, right? Let's, yeah, let's yeah talk you could really break this down. Like, like, tell me one recruiting story that you've never told, right? And, and it can be, you know, like, trying to get the chance to talk to that player or like me going into the ditch just outside Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. I mean, you know, you've <laughs> got to have a story. I feel like, I, I feel like I would love, and I, I, he's asked me before and I haven't taken him up on it, but I think one of these times if coach Hal asked me to go on a recruiting trip with him again, I will probably go just because I feel like that's something you need to do just to sit in his truck with him. <laughs> Well, he'll make you drive, so well, yeah, aware of that. But, I mean, when, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, if you get in a Coach Hal's truck and you go anywhere with him, he's usually got a bunch of Swiss Miss rolls sitting. <laughs> yep, some sorts of. Yeah, there's, there's some goods. sort of candy or something. I mean, it literally looks like he lives in his car. I mean, he's got there there's sandwiches and stuff you know lined you know lined up he's got like maybe some Advil on the side and he's got you know a blanket in the back I mean maybe you're looking, maybe a pillow looks like the man literally lives in his in his truck <laughs> and I feel like if you go on like a road trip with him to go and evaluate a player it would be hilarious to see like him when he's recruiting because I know he does a lot of your recruiting for you as well so do you, I guess that leads me to this question do you guys recruit together a lot do you guys go on trips together no, you know, to be honest, uh, 
I try to send him to the local stuff because he's 85 years old. I don't need him out on the road, you know, going too far. Um, so he'll hit those up or the local area ones for him. Okay. Um, God, I think we've maybe in four years done one together, and that was because there was no other place to go. So it's like, okay. all right, let's go together. But no, typically, I mean, even with with Coach Justine, it's you know, if we can have three people in a gym on one night, we're going to take advantage and, and send three people out different there. places. Well, yep. I yep. feel like the area that you need to cover is that way. That you okay? It's like you got to break it up geographically. Like you take south of 35W, yep. I'll take the eastern side of 35W, and you take the western side, and we'll just fan out because, like I said, I know that you and Justine and Hal do the bulk of the recruiting. Yep. Um. So yeah, it is kind of a. It's I, and I think Coach P does it the same way. Yep. I think Polkowski does it the same way. I think he he with his assistants he sends out Jordan and he sends out Marcus and I think they kind of take a different section and then they watch players and they they report back. But uh, I I know like for instance when you're recruiting though John when you were recruiting it was a lot of times you were with the head coach you were with Dan Stauber a lot of times I know when you went on some of those recruiting trips and I sometimes. know you've been on a few with Rich as well so no it, it all depends right yeah you know I mean we like when Stobbs and I would go up to Calgary it it would work out really well a lot of times we didn't go to the same game okay you know he would yep. he would stay in Calgary and go with an alum and I would take the rental car and go up to Drumheller or Olds Alberta or something like that and go right. and, and so we'd watch two games and, and then get, come back and, and, and get to notes. talk to a half a dozen players in one night and you know right. that would always work out a lot better than than having both of us in the same building. That's kind of yeah, you feel like it's a, a waste that way. And you know and and I think all coaches are different, but for me, like Coach Justine, I mean she has another job where she has to get up at eight AM. Well I'm not sending her four hours, you know, on the middle of the week. So, you know, luckily we have that flexibility in our coaches, you know, that we can do it. So I try to keep them local just because I, I don't think it's fair, you know, for them to be getting home at 4 a.m. and then be like, hey, have fun at work, you know, today doing another normal job. And going back with what you said, I mean, it's kind of fun. It's I do have a story I'm going to share with you. Excellent. And it's, uh, and <laughs> Tales from the road. I, Tales from the road. I remember it was one of my first year, and I went out to Norway, Michigan, and then continued on to Ishwaming. Ishwaming. Yep, yeah. you got it. So what, five and a half hour? Yeah. Drive, went there to watch the team. They dominated, goes into running time. The game lasted literally 48 minutes long. And with 18 seconds left, the player we were there to watch um, blew out her knee and had to get taken away in an ambulance. Therefore, didn't even get to talk to her after the game. So literally drove five and a half hours to watch a 48-minute game to turn around and drive right back. And, of course, you hit a snowstorm when you're up that way in water, Waters Meet. Is that yep. Right? Yep. The Nimrods. Home of the Nimrods. Yep. Yep. Blizzard there you know, for a good 10 minutes. And you're like, all right, keep going through. And you're looking at the map. But, yeah, that's, that's always my story is driving you know 12 hours in one day and not even get to be able to talk to the recruit because she goes down with the knee injury so yep. well i mean uh, don mulhern t- told the story about how he got lost when he was recruiting sally linsmeyer oh, about how he was trying to get to valders and he couldn't find the place and he couldn't find where <laughs> he was supposed to go and it's this long kind of drawn out tale but it's pretty funny i mean he he told me the story i don't know maybe four or five years ago but it was <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. And, you know, he didn't know it at the time, but he was recruiting who's going to become the all time leading scorer in school history. But he got lost on his initial trip. And so he had to actually call her family and say, Where are you? I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Because he got to Oshkosh and he wasn't quite sure where Baldur's was on a map. So he couldn't really find it. So, but he, he has a long story about how he missed it. And he drove like 10 minutes this way and then another five minutes that way. And then he, like, he was all turned around and he finally had to call he Sally's mom. He probably circled mom. it is what he did. Yeah. He, he had <laughs> yeah. to call Sally's mom and ask, where are you? <laughs> like, well, there's, there's all those stories where yeah. you, you drive three hours to a game to realize that uh, it was the night before. So you drive three hours home because there wasn't a game that night. Yeah, You know, and the, I think with recruiting players, 
you know, I always ask players, do you want me to tell you that I'm going to come to the game or do you not want me to? And I would say it's 50-50. Some are like, yeah, please tell me so that I, I know you're there. And others are like, no, I'll be way too nervous, like, you know, hide in a corner so I don't see you type of thing. And so those are the ones you have to make sure you confirm that there's a game because usually, you know, shoot them a text, hey, I'm coming to your game tonight, good luck. And they're like, yep, sounds good, 7 o'clock. It's the ones where they don't want you to come, you kind of forget to double check if there's a game or not. So right. it may or may not have happened a few times this year or last year. But. There are always tails <laughs> on the road, though, too, even if you're not recruiting. You know, I mean, I go back to the St. Thomas NCAA tournament game. Um, when the bus broke down? Yeah, when the bus broke down on the yeah. way to the game. Like, we were fine. We had gone to the pre- to the shoot-around, the practice, everything. And then just as we were about to leave, we had a carpool over with all the parents because our bus broke down. Yeah. And then Gustavus had the same problem at uh, Whitewater, I guess. Yeah, they had to use our bus. I remember Lori <laughs> called me. Hey, Zach, where are you guys? Olive Garden? Can we borrow your bus? Ours broke down. <laughs> sure. We you can know, help Gus Davis out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's just that that's life on the road. Things like that happen. And, you know, Reminds I mean. Me, they never paid us back for that. No, <laughs> have to call up Lori and make sure you, get, yeah. <laughs> you talk to her about it. Well, I know this wasn't an easy one to do no. uh, coming off the on the heels of the getting knocked out in that conference championship game. So thanks for popping by. And uh, we won't have, you won't have to do it again now until next season. No, I when appreciate it. everything will be positive and We're all excited can't wait to get energetic. on the court. And the, yeah. the season's just getting ready to start. So thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Zach Otto Fisher, head women's basketball coach here at UW-Superior. We'll take a break and come back with more of I Have the Swarm right after this. For over 85 years, the dollars deposited at National Bank of Commerce have been reinvested into the community, sparking bold ideas and igniting big dreams. Our customers have helped transform the region. And if we've come this far already, just imagine what's next. National Bank of Commerce, we make more possible. We're back. Final segment of this week's I Have the Swarm. And now we mentioned in the the open, everything comes to a screeching halt. Right. And, yep. uh, you know, half the teams that were competing now are going to be heading into their off season, which leaves a limited number of teams that are still going. Yeah. I mean, of course, tennis is still playing. We didn't mention them this week because they didn't play. In fact, they're not due to play again until spring break. Yeah. So that's why we didn't mention tennis. Didn't want to offend any of the uh, tennis Knicks out there. But uh uh, that's why we didn't mention them, and they will not be in action this week at all either. So that's why we didn't talk about them. We did talk about men's and women's indoor track and field, and there will be certain athletes for the Yellow Jackets that they will send to the Pointer Final Qualifier hosted by UW-Stevens Point at the Multi-Activity Center in Stevens Point on Saturday. That's a 10.30 a.m. start time, and you said, I think, when we were off air, what, eight? I, I think, think there's eight that are, are going to be going. Glenn sent the list okay. yesterday who was going to go, go and try to – bump up their numbers just a little bit and see if they could sneak into the, the national tournament. But One of them will be C.J. Pellas. C.J. is definitely going to be there, yeah. Okay. But there's, uh, I want to say there's there's eight total. I could be mistaken, but I thought it was okay. eight. Okay, so yeah, eight total Yellow Jackets will be in that event, and then it'll be the NCAA championships are the following week. Correct. So, yeah, this is a, literally the last chance when they call it. It's the uh, final qualifier. That's exactly what it is. Yep. And so they'll be getting uh, heading down to Stevens Point, 10.30 a.m. again to start on Saturday. Baseball did not play last week, but they are in action this week. We talked about that again also in the opening segment. They have four games on tap for this weekend, and we're thinking that they're going to be played at Topeka, Kansas. They're scheduled to be in Topeka, uh, playing Grinnell four times down there, but I know there's already some talk of that moving. 
Because I talked to Frank some potential Pufal weather that could be coming through, so now they might be playing actually in at Grinnell. Grinnell. Yeah, he was saying that their field may actually be ready. Yeah. They, what they had done is they actually were anticipating their field not being ready, which is right. why they scheduled them in Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, and now that they've had the the same sort of mild winter we've had here, their their field could be playable, so they, they might be just playing at Grinnell. Okay, so that's, that's a possibility. And Grinnell, of course, is a standalone town in Iowa, mm-hmm. for those of you who are not familiar. Um, but they'll be playing Grinnell twice on Saturday. That's right now it's scheduled for the Bettis Family Sports Complex in Topeka, Kansas. 12 and 3 p.m. the opening pitches there, and then they'll be playing again another double hell against Grinnell on Sunday. Opening pitches there 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. So right now those games, like you said, John, scheduled for Topeka, Kansas, although they could be moved back to Grinnell at some point here in the coming days. If you're more in, you know, if you're interested or are curious about it, you can check out uwsyellowjackets.com. They'll update the actual location before those games get played. Yep. Softball also has four games on tap for this weekend. They will be down in Minneapolis. They'll be taking on the homestanding Augsburg Auggies and a doubleheader on Friday, 5.30 and 7.30 p.m. The opening pitch is there. And then they'll be playing Edgewood of Madison, Wisconsin in Minneapolis the following Monday, or so, following Saturday, excuse me, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., so an early turnaround for Ooh. the Yellow Jackets as they take on Edgewood in the third and fourth games of the weekend. That's like the most miserable part of the spring sports to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, playing at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, horrible. Oh, my gosh. How, how early do you have to get up to go through your pregame routine? I mean, right. Well, thankfully, that's a dome. Right. So but you still have to go through your routine. Yeah, you have to go whether through. Whether it's if you eat at a certain time, or you're going to go in and maybe five. take your swings, or you have a no. stretching routine, or you're working through a nagging injury or something like that. Man, those 8 o'clock starts are killer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're up by 5. I'm thinking probably get breakfast quick, then run to the field at 6, get some swings in, probably taking in field by 7, 7.30, then opening pitch at 8.30. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a... <laughs> Yeah. It's an early start. That's a rough one. Yeah, that's, that's a rough early one. start. That's a really early start. So, um, you know, more power to them. That's Absolutely. all I say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's all that we got on this week's uh, schedule. So we're into that time now where everything is a little bit slow, like yeah, you it's, said. Yeah, it slows down a lot, and the schedules are, are fluid. Yeah, the schedules are fluid, uh, and there won't be any home events for, boy, a while now. Not till I mean, we're scheduled, I believe, to host softball at the end of March, um, but... That's obviously yeah. That's on a Saturday and Sunday. I think that's obviously up in the air. Yeah, you know, I mean, right now. I think that's when UMD is also scheduled to be home. I mean, nobody schedules home games up here until at least the last weekend of March. You yeah, you like to you'd prefer to even have your conference schedule be backloaded with more home games, so you know that your fields are going to be playable up here. But that's not exactly fair to the no. other schools in the conference either. No. So well, and that and then you end up with some really wacky scheduling. I mean, yeah. You can end up playing eight games in four days. Right. And you know, stuff like that yep. ends up happening. So yep. yeah, it really makes life difficult. Um, but uh, as of right now, we're in a mild turn as far as the weather goes. So fingers crossed, we can get those games in. Yeah, exactly. Knocking on the wood. Yeah, no kidding. Um, because I can't remember the last time we had a home game in March. It's been a long time, I think. Boy, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to have to go back to 2010. Yeah, that'd be my guess. Is I mean, yeah, that's a because I remember the day vividly. Okay, I was doing PA. So for, it's been a full decade. I'm doing PA for softball. Okay, and it was uh, Northland was here for two. Okay, and it was 70 degrees. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember you talking about the, yeah because nice I, I was there in shorts. Right. I was yeah. there in shorts. It was an absolutely perfect day over at uh, Liebert Field. 
and it was it was outstanding. And then two days later, it snowed. Yeah, <laughs> that's why we keep our fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. That right there. That's example one and one a of why we keep our fingers crossed this time of year. So. Yeah. So stay tuned to uwsyellowjackets.com for schedule updates for all of our spring sports, track and field, tennis, baseball, and softball. Correct. Elliot Swearer is our engineer here in the studio. He's the big sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garber. Thank you for listening to this week's Eye of the Swarm, brought to you by Superior Beverages. We'll be right back.